Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Scott Shooter, Realtor, and Crew. Shrek is a Naval Academy graduate, a real estate giant in Annapolis, and a half-good golfer. Contact Shrek at www.scottshooter.com. That's Scott with two T's. Shooter is spelled S-C-H-U-E-T-T-E-R. Today is September 7th. September 7th already. I'm John Schofield. Joining me is Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette. Chris Cervello is joining us. He's our producer. The more pressing matter is the 0-1 Navy football team and the Memphis Tigers coming to town this weekend. So, okay, Wags, before we start talking about what lies ahead with Memphis, I want to hear from you. Some time has passed since Sunday when the loss was still pretty fresh and painful and we recorded the Navy football post-game pod. But now Nehemiah and Kip Franklin have, have faced the press conference music Brian Newberry yesterday. What did you hear in these press conferences and what's your assessment now that some time has passed? Well, John, if there's anyone capable of getting this offense fixed, it's Kendi Amatololo, Ivan Jasper, Ashley Ingram, Danny O'Rourke, Joe DePay, Mick Ukaitis, the whole crew. They're all option veterans. They know what it's supposed to look like. They know what has to be done to make it work. Uh, Saturday was a wake-up call. Uh, a lot of things stunned the coaching staff. I don't think the coaching staff saw that performance coming. Nobody could have predicted four fumbles, three of which were lost, two of which were lost deep in Navy territory. Um, they, nobody could have predicted the offensive line getting manhandled up front. And, uh, you know, I think the fans focus so much on who's carrying the ball and what type of plays are called, and they don't watch – closely what's happening at the line of scrimmage navy was getting knocked off the ball delaware was getting penetration it doesn't matter what plays the coaching staff calls when you're getting beat up front the offense isn't going to work and if one thing leads to another so you're getting beat up front which means you can't establish the fullback dive because you're not winning the line of scrimmage you're not getting to the second level and cutting off linebackers as we saw that that monster linebacker for Delaware had 23 tackles. Um, So if you don't establish the fullback dive, it's hard to then get the slot back pitch. And Keenan Reynolds pointed out on the Navy pod, you know, the post-game review that Delaware was sending two safeties at the pitch and you can't block two guys. It's just not the way the options designed. So everything leads off the fullback dive. And if you can't get it established, the whole offense breaks down. So got to get it fixed. Got to know there cannot be a single turnover against Memphis. If there are turnovers against Memphis, the heads are going to roll. And players who commit them are going to not see the field. And I like what Keenan said. He said it perfectly on the post-game review. This week's about finding out who wants to be here, who wants to be a player, who wants to step up and be held accountable and represent the brotherhood. So 
I am very interested, John and Chris, as to what we see Saturday against Memphis. And it's not about a win or a loss. It's about getting back to Navy football and doing things the Navy football way, which means no mistakes and operating the option the way it's supposed to be run. Yeah, and and Chris and I can say we watched that final drive uh, from the stands, and there were a lot of upset members of you know, the, the Navy fan club, right? You know, I mean, there were some complaints. There were some unhappy people. They didn't want to start off the season again with a Delaware loss. And you mentioned, Wags, Memphis comes to town this weekend. You know, no rest for the weary. Navy and Memphis now meet for the eighth time in series history when the two square off on Saturday. It's a 3.30 start, much better than the noon start here at Navy Marine Corps Stadium. Memphis leads the all-time series 4-3, and they've won the last three against the Mids. Um, so let's scout Memphis and Coach Ryan Silverfield. Uh, this year's team, like a lot of teams we've talked about in the past, WAGS, has 37 transfers on its roster. Some from like major programs, Florida, Tennessee, Ohio State, Michigan State. Um, and additionally, the Tigers' two, depth, uh, two deep depth chart has 13 fifth-year players. However, this team is also coming off of 49-23 stomping, but to an SEC team down in Starkville in Mississippi State. So with Seth Hannigan at quarterback, transfer running back Javon Ducker, what do you think we're going to see on, uh, on Saturday from them? Memphis is always going to have athletes. I talked to Brian Newberry about this because uh, I could go on. The list of Memphis players in the NFL is impressive. Antonio Gibson's with the Washington Commanders. Daryl Henderson's with the Los Angeles Rams. Calvin Austin III, who it seemed like he was at Memphis for seven years, and he might have been. He's now playing with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They, they turn out NFL skill position talent left and right. They've had a lot of good quarterbacks as well, Paxton Lynch, and I could go on down the line with that. And Seth Hennigan is the latest. He threw for over 3,000 yards last season. He's dangerous. Uh, pick Navy apart. Um, Brian Newberry said, as far as he's concerned, they look like Memphis. Uh, same talent level, good skill positions. They, they speed on the perimeter. They love, they recruit speed at the wide receiver position it's going to challenge navy and last season the navy memphis game was navy was a victim of big play after big play one of them was a reverse that calvin austin took something like 75 yards there was a 65 yard pass for a touchdown there was another long pass that set up a touchdown too many big plays that cannot happen the defense looked good against delaware Let's hope the defense can stand up and give the offense a chance to right itself. But you cannot give up big plays to this team, John, and they got home run hitters. So, uh, Chris, before I throw it over to you for your take and your pick in the game, Wags, anything you heard in the press conferences this week about major injuries? Notably, you know, special teams was a tiny bit of a letdown other than Riley Reithman punting, who had a great day, three punts over 50 yards, a 46-yard average. But Bijan Nichols was out. Any update on his injury and any other injuries that we need to take note of? Well, yes, I asked Coach Niamatololo about Bijan and whether he'd be back against Memphis, and he said it'll probably be a game-time decision. They'll send him out there in pregame warm-ups to kick and evaluate how he's kicking and then make the decision. That's what they did last week. He he went out there and kicked, and it didn't look good enough to, to go. So Evan Warren had to kick, and unfortunately he missed a 44-yard field goal, which was – 
part of the offensive woes, a, a missed opportunity to put points on the board. Um, Riley Reithman was is pretty good. He's really developed as a solid punter. And uh, I was told by Scott Strassmeyer that his next punt will qualify Riley for the career average at Navy. He'll have enough punts to qualify. And provided that's a typical punt, he will be the career average leader at the Naval Academy, which is pretty impressive. Uh, only a sophomore. He's a very talented young player. The latest in a long line of outstanding punters. We can remember John Skaggs and a guy named Pablo Beltran, who is now plying his trade on the Naval Academy golf course. Um, so, yeah, Bijan, they need Bijan back for a lot of reasons. He's a captain. He's a leader. And he's a, a all-conference caliber kicker. You need him on the field. Let's pray that he's, he heals this week and is ready to go. Chris, where's your head? Uh, Saturday is coming soon. Can't wait to have you back here again. We'll talk about what's to come on Saturday with you and me uh, bringing the coverage. But, you know, what's your Jimmy the Greek uh, gut telling you on this one? So Navy is a six-point underdog to Memphis, as you mentioned, coming off a, a pretty good beating to Mississippi State. Um, I, you know, they, they should have played, I think, a lot better. They got their act together uh, in their last uh, three drives um, and kind of turned it around to make it a little bit more competitive than the first two and a half quarters. So as I said, Navy's a six-point dog and the over-under is uh, 50 and a half. John, I'm I'm going to take Memphis even with the points. I, I um while I am hopeful that uh, they come back and play uh, Navy football and that the option looks more like the option that we're used to, um, I think Memphis is too much for Navy. I don't think that they've been able to turn it around enough. I think the defense uh, holds. I, I'm going to take uh, Memphis and the under. Yeah, so I'm going to let Wags take us out on what he thinks is going to happen. But personally, I, I'm a little bit worried. I think the lack of speed that we saw. Uh, on Saturday, the lack of uh, penetration uh, from the uh, offensive line to the second level, the inability to establish the run game, just the slowness of everything, uh, I think will really be exposed again on Saturday. I hope I'm wrong, but I think this is something like a 20, 25 to 10, you know, kind of gross, grinded out type of thing where Memphis is kind of in control the whole time. It should be the other way around. And Wags, I'm hoping that we walk out of there seeing Navy win 25 to 10, but what do you think is going to happen? Well, I mean, obviously it's hard to speak real confidently about Navy's chances against an American athletic conference, but when, when your last memory is what happened against Delaware, when the offense didn't show up, but there have been many times when Navy laid an egg offensively one week and then came back and performed at a higher level the following week. So I'm hopeful the offense will get it together. I'm hopeful Ty Lavatai will, you know, step up, and and provide the leadership that he needs to provide as a quarterback. And that starts with no fumbles. Um, I'm confident that the offensive line is going to really, they're, they're embarrassed by what happened on Saturday. You, you, the Delaware is not big. I looked at their down linemen and they're, they're all under 260 pounds. I mean, you should not be getting pushed around by Delaware. And I can tell you the defensive linemen from Memphis are a hell of a lot bigger. So I'm hoping the offensive line has been challenged, which I know they have in practice, and responds. So I think if the Navy defense can hold Memphis under 20 points, which I think Newberry's defense looked very, very good Saturday, and I know it was Delaware, but Delaware had some offensive talent, a uh, veteran quarterback. Uh, I think that Navy could pull out a 21-17 win, but that's the key. 
It, can the defense hold Memphis to a – because I don't think Navy is going to suddenly go from scoring seven points against Delaware to scoring 28 or 31 against Memphis. So I'm not going to really make predi- – my prediction is that if the defense can hold Memphis under 20 points, Navy could win this game. Hey, Wags, before John takes it out, um, on the Navy football podcast preview for the season, you talked about um, a play package that the offensive folks have put together for Xavier Arline. How short a leash do you think Ty has this week going into the Memphis game? And can we expect to see Xavier, um, you, you know, if Ty struggles or if the offense as a whole struggles? That's a really good question, Chris. And I asked. Kenny Amatololo, if he considered putting Xavier in against Delaware. And he seemed to think that the offense ran well when they didn't fumble. I tend to disagree a bit. There were flashes here and there. And it is true that uh, when Anton Hall Jr. fumbled while running up the middle, that Navy was on a nice drive into Memphis territory. Um, and then they had the, t- the one touchdown drive was a nice drive, obviously. But I didn't see too much other than that. Um, but he he I didn't sound did not sound like he was ready to go that route just yet. However, uh, and Keenan Reynolds opined on the Navy Football Podcast that when I mentioned the Xavier package, he he opined that that was going to be reserved for special games like Air Force and Army, and they don't want to pull that out too soon because then the opponents you know they see what he does when he comes in and they game plan for it. But, I mean, if Ty comes out and fumbles again on a mesh or whatever or in some way is not confidently running or doing everything that a Navy quarterback does, I think you have to consider going to Xavier, who has significant game experience, has performed well at times. Um, Now, I don't know how Xavier looks in practice. Midway through August training camp, they said, that not playing in the spring by playing lacrosse instead of doing spring ball, he was a little behind, a little rusty. So uh, we don't know the answers to those questions. Well, that is why we bring you this podcast every week to try to answer as many as we, as we can. And hopefully some of these answers will be available after a big win on Saturday. Again, Saturday's game is at 3.30. The March on of the Brigade will begin at 3.11 p.m. Please don't throw candy at them. Saturday's flyover will feature two Boeing FA-18 Super Hornets from the Ragin' Bulls of Fighter Squadron 37, based out of Oceana. Uh, piloting the lead aircraft will be Lieutenant Commander Galen McHoop-Ober. He is a member of the class of 2011. What kind of ceiling will they have? What kind of weather will the tailgating experience? Ava Marie is going to tell us about it here in this next segment, so let's take it right to Ava. We are so happy, as always, to bring back in Ava Marie from WBAL 11 in Baltimore. Ava, number one, you promised us more humidity and more heat last Saturday, and boy, did it deliver. Does it look like kind of the same for this Saturday? Yeah, that's one of those cases where you almost wish the forecast was going to be wrong because, boy, it was so steamy. Uh, Yes, a big change coming this weekend because the humidity is going to drop again starting on um, 
Thursday, Friday is when we're seeing the lowest humidity. So that kind of carries over into Saturday where it's going to be pleasant, low 80s, lower humidity, uh, dry weather. We may even get a few clouds and you saw the difference of when cloud cover comes in. It, it's not nearly as hot in the sun. And this is a later game. So especially as the game goes on, uh, you're going to see when the sun goes down that it's just going to feel comfortable. So if you survived last weekend, you're going to be much more happy to see the forecast for this weekend. Well, I know that uh, particularly our sponsor, Scott Shooter, uh, enjoys later starts like uh, 3.30 p.m. as well as a lot of tailgaters. 12 comes a little bit early. You kind of like barely get your uh, grill out and then you got to walk into the stadium. You know, Shooter, really quick, I'll put you on the spot. Are you a bigger fan of 3.30 games or noon games? Got to get time to get settled in. And it's, you know, it's a little more socially acceptable to start drinking at noon rather than nine in the morning. So, <laughs> you know, I, I prefer the I prefer the 3.30 start. Uh, well, yeah, that's it, early for tailgating, for sure. I mean, when you're talking getting everything ready by 9 a.m., that's that's early. Yeah, I mean, the later games in the season, you know, you can hot toddy it and then maybe get into a suite like the lily pad and get, uh, you know, get warm. But in this one, this kind of seems like a sweet spot. The next home game isn't until October. So, you know, getting this last bit of warm weather for your tailgate is, is going to be a good thing. So what advice would you give for Saturday? Is there even a chance of rain? And how warm do you think it'll be once we get to halftime in toward the second half at around 5 p.m.? Honestly, if you're on the fence about which game to go to, I would absolutely go to this game because you said it is going to be so comfortable. And as we go later into the season, you'll always gamble with getting colder weather and possibly even rainy weather. So this one is ideal to have low 80s at kickoff, uh, to have the lower humidity and completely dry weather so you don't have to cart a bunch of stuff to your tailgate. Um, as we go later into the game, the sun is starting to go down. So it could drop into the upper 70s, but that is still really comfortable room temperature outside. So again, this is the game to go to as you are getting excited for the season and let's hope that this is the game to go to so that we can get a win uh ava i know that you are happy your alma mater the kansas jayhawks got their first win of the season in a very un-kansas way winning 56 to 10 i'll now ask you for your prediction because i know you've been looking at all the charts and reading all of the uh the emails from the navy sports information director what do you think is going to happen on saturday when navy takes on memphis well, this is my only chance to wish cast, which means I get to choose what I want to happen. And uh, I'm going to root for Navy. I think with the great weather, fans are going to be extra excited and pumped cheering on their team. That's what we love to hear here. Hey, so Ava, thank you so much. We will hear back from you in October when I think we're going to be talking about a little bit different of a uh, weather forecast for the next home game. But as always, thank you so much and have a good rest of the week. And I have to say, John, I'm really impressed with your lighting today because I, I was I was really ranking on you last time. You were like in a dark shadow. And I said the key to looking good on TV is he got himself a ring light. So I'm gonna I'm posting this picture on my Facebook page so you guys can see hey. just how great he looks. Hey, the the brighter the light, the less they can see wrinkles. That's that's my key to TV. I love it. Good to see you, Ava. We're gonna go to break. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, Sing Second fans, a few announcements from our friends at the Naval Academy Athletic Association. This weekend, Navy takes on Memphis at 3.30 p.m. at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium as they kick off their American Athletic Conference play. And if you can't make it to this weekend's game, no sweat, there are three more games in the month of October. So for football tickets, be sure to call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. 
Don't miss any of the excitement in Annapolis this fall. And speaking of excitement, have you started thinking about basketball season yet? Navy men's and women's basketball season tickets are on sale now. Join us at Alumni Hall all season long as the Mids look to build off their exciting 2022 campaigns. In addition, this year, all season ticket holders will be entered to win an authentic Navy football, Army-Navy game football jersey. For tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. Now back to the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with our coaches feature this week, and we are really happy to be joined by Director of Navy Rugby, Gavin Hickey. He enters his sixth season as the Director of Rugby and Head Coach of the Navy Men's Team uh, in this, the inaugural season uh, of it becoming a D1 sport. He was originally hired in the summer of 2017 and has guided the mids to an overall record of 40 and 13 over the program's five seasons on the club level. And as most of you know, they started the D1 schedule off on a good foot by winning 88 nothing over the Citadel. Without any further ado, Gavin Hickey, thank you so much for joining the podcast and talk to us about what it's like being the, the head coach of the newest sport on the yard. Well, even more importantly than, than that, it's, uh, I'll tell you what it's like being on the podcast. It's fantastic to be here. Thank you very much, John. I'm, I'm a long-time listener, so it's, it's fantastic to be on here. So thank you very much for the invitation. Um, it's, it's a dream come true. You know, I came down here in 2017, and I know we always had plans and hopes and ambitions of being varsity. <clears throat> Excuse me. But it wasn't, um, it wasn't a make-or-break make decision for me at all. And um, to be able to have realized this um, five years into the journey, it's, it's been... It's been amazing. It really has. And I'm, I'm thrilled to be in the position that we're in right now. And, you know, albeit the score probably was, was not what we really wanted in game one. Um, you know, we would like a bit more of a test. Uh, there are tougher days to come and we're, we're gearing up for that. So, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people say it, but I'm genuinely, I'm living the dream and I, I couldn't be happier in the position we're in right now. So I know Wags is going to ask you a little bit more about the Citadel game and the X's and O's, but can you can you walk our listeners through a little bit what that process was like? You know, did you wake up one day and say, "Hey, I think we should be D one. We have the athletes for this." You know, how did how did the process start, and how long did it take you to get it to an end? Well, I'll start off by saying our our team was founded in 1963, which means next year's our 60th, and you know, obviously not in the 60s, we we weren't thinking about it, but over the last. 20 years, I'd say, it's probably become more and more of a vision to one day go varsity. And um, to have been able to realize that, as, as Joseph said, been phenomenal. But it has been a process. And I will say that our alumni group within Navy Rugby are some of the best alums from the Naval Academy. They have been working furiously hard towards this. And without them and without the support of, of Mr. Czech Gladchuk as well, our athletic director, this wouldn't have happened. So it has been a big team effort. I'd say it's probably started from before I got here. Um, but since I've been here as well, that there's been whispers that have that have um, you know transformed into shouts, and 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 here we are, and um, it's 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 been fantastic. Now, just to say, when we have the athletes, the thing about Navy rugby, I'd say, uh, goodness knows, I played against Navy rugby for a number of years as well. We do have the athletes. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think Navy rugby was always at the forefront of the collegiate game before lots of programs went varsity. And then a lot of programs started catching up with Navy rugby because we have the, the fitness, we have the physicality. But when you have D1 teams or even D2 teams who, who that's, that's a given, they're varsity athletes, um, 
things have become more challenging for us. So we're not going into this blind. We, we have some big, big challenges ahead ourselves. We have no given right to, to suddenly become D1 national champions. It's going to take a lot of work. Um, you know, but we're, we're very confident. And um, I'll say this from the outset, that with myself and the, the new associate director of rugby on the men's side, um, James Willocks, who we got from Dartmouth, who I coached for five years at Dartmouth, uh, we probably have the most ambitious coaching staff in the country. And we make no, no bones about it. We want to win. We don't want to win one year. We don't want to win three years. We want to create a legacy here for the current midshipmen's sons and daughters to come back here and, and, and continue to be champions. So I understand they're probably bold fighting words, but we're, we're in this for, for the big picture long term. And, and that's incredibly exciting. Yeah, and that's what the physical mission here is all about. Wags, go ahead. Well, Gavin, first of all, thanks for joining us. Um, the question I wanted to ask or maybe have you comment about so many loyal alums of Navy rugby who were just adamant and pushing that they wanted this to be a varsity sport. They were dedicated to the cause and their dedication was met with, you know, they, they put their money where their mouths were. Um, can you talk about having the, the alumni sport and would you, you probably would not be varsity if it was not for the vocal and active uh, contributions of the Navy rugby alumni. Would that be accurate? Oh, a hundred percent, Bill. There's no chance whatsoever. We'd be varsity without um, the heavy lifting that's been done by our alums over a number of years. You know, you, you think about our facilities for a start, we have no other college in the country, no other rugby facility in the country has three dedicated rugby pitches, one turf field and two, two grass fields. I mean, that all came from alumni donations. Um, you know, we've got Broadmark will stand there. We've got Fred Malik pitch. We've got Ernie Blakefield one and two. Uh, this doesn't just happen. This is, this is, as you say, alums putting their money where the mouth is. And uh, without our vocal, um, you know, uh, support from our alums, our very, very active alumni group, there's no way we'd be in the situation we're in now. So, um, you know, we, we, we can never overstate the importance and the value of Navy rugby alums. They, they're almost militant in terms of their, their commitment to Navy rugby. And, um, you know, it's, again, it's probably one of the reasons I came here because I knew the alumni support was so good. And I know a lot of those alums were there on Saturday afternoon for the debut varsity game. That must have been quite a moment for you to take the pitch with your team and knowing your varsity, the very first varsity game, the proud alums there, knowing that the, efforts had finally been realized and that that just must have been quite a moment before you kicked it off there for to start the season it, it was Bill. it really was it's incredibly exciting for me on a personal level i mean i'm, I'm over the moon i'll be able to share this with my my wife who works at the naval academy and she's a dietitian midshipman development center my two little boys who are from annapolis you know it's, it's a big moment but more importantly than that you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievably important for the current players on the men and women's side to be able to be the first to lead the charge as varsity athletes. Um, but again, more important than all of that is, is our alums who, you know, the first time a rugby ball was kicked here at Navy, some of our alums are sitting in the stand. You know, that's, that's to, for them to be able to see where Navy rugby has come from. And where it is now as a D1 varsity sport, that's got to be the biggest dream come true. So, yes, we're all thrilled in our own little ways, but all credit uh, goes to the guys who started this and who were able to witness on Saturday, be it on, you on our YouTube channel um, or in person, that Navy rugby is now varsity. Uh, that is 
that's the most satisfying moment for me. So when I was at Towson, I had a friend that was a fly half on the rugby team and uh, the Towson rugby players were known as the hardest partiers at Towson College. But uh, I know at Navy, they're more subdued, but I believe you probably found a way to celebrate the big win over <laughs> on Saturday. Well, in we we didn't really, to be honest with you. You know, um, you know, rugby does have a, a history of of games getting in the way of drinking, and um, you know that's something that we're certainly getting away from. Uh, I understand the history; we, we're we're proud of our history, but you know we're serious, and um, you know, we have twelve weeks on the bounce this year with sixty two uh, players on the men's side, sixty three players on our women's side. You know, and 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 young men and women being young men and women, they'll party in their own little way. But really, there's no there's no um, there's no time. To, to really celebrate. We'll celebrate when we're all said and done after we beat Army on November 5th and then we finish it off at St. Bonaventure on November 12th. Um, we'll celebrate together then. We'll have an end-of-season banquet in the spring when we finish our spring season too. But, you know, we, Sunday is a recovery day, uh, a very active recovery day. And then Monday, albeit Labor Day, we were practicing and we're straight back in it for this week against Southern Virginia University. So um, the days of, of, you know, the kegs on the sideline and, and the partying going on, Thankfully, they are well and truly behind us. So I wanted to ask you to talk about some of your outstanding players who's leading the way this season. I know one of them is your wing from Fiji, whose name I completely butchered uh, <laughs> in our weekend wrap-up. I was going through the list of names of players that scored, and I got to that and just was it over my head. Perhaps you can tell the listeners how to pronounce Ratu. I, did I get that part right? You did. You did indeed. Ratu Osea Melibua. It's a mouthful, but... Um, that you know, like Taipa, Noah, Kayaku, and Hada used to be the quarterback for Navy football. John, your job is to memorize that. I hope you listen in to the pronunciation because as the season goes along and we have to mention his name for having a big game, I have you got to no get shot. that right. Zero shot. Gavin tell us who are some of the other players other than Ratu who are you know and it doesn't have to be the guys that score I mean there's other guys who do the dirty work that are kind of like the offensive linemen of rugby and they're not going to get a chance to have a try but maybe tell us some of the key players for Navy men's rugby well you're spot on with that you know it's the players I said it yesterday actually the players and the players hear from me all the time that I've I've very little interest really in in who scores the tries, I'm, I'm more interested in who gives the last pass to set up a try. Um, rugby is a very selfless game in that manner. So, so if you get your name on the score sheet, that's great, well done. But um, you know, there's there's a lot more to it, uh, as you rightly point out. Some of the big names on our on our team. Um, he wasn't playing this weekend; he's recovering from a, a wrist injury. But Dale Sturdivant is another wing. He's a firsty here. Uh, he'll be back soon, and he'll be he'll be trying to force his way back into the team after a good team performance. Um, we've got Lewis Gray who is our firsty uh, co-captain. He is our number 12, our inside center. And Lewis is really the, the, the maestro of the team. He pulls all the strings for our back line and he creates space and he kicks and he tackles hard and he does everything. Um, our captain, uh, Jack McMahon out of Chicago, he's our, our number seven this past weekend. He's a, he's a leader on and off the pitch and he's a, he's a hard-hitting back row player. He's a very, very good player. Uh, Matthew Thibodeau, our tight head prop, is just, you know, he's rock solid. And again, like the line of scrimmage, you know, he's he's so important for locking down our scrum and our set piece that you know, he's, he's invaluable to the team. But there's more. I mean, I could name the whole team and, and give a little backstory on everybody. You know, it, it's rugby is one of those games where it's very, very hard to pick uh, any kind of star because, 
you know, if the wing is scoring, if Hosea is scoring out in the wing, it's because the, or the other 14 guys did their job correctly. And um, you know, we're, we're very, very hesitant to pick out one or two players, um, you know, but there are a number of players that I'm incredibly excited about. And there's a couple of players who, who for one reason or another, over the last year or so, left football and came to us. And, you know, we'll acknowledge that's how we were founded. Um, but we're very excited about J.D. Bankston. Uh, a young uh, second class, sorry, third class youngster on the team who we think is going to do great things in the future. We have another young man who, who's not playing first side rugby yet, but he he, he looks like he will. Titan Case is a recruited court, uh, running back from the football team who is now with us. So um, there are a number of players that we are particularly excited about. Having said that, we also, I might as well say it now, I mean, Army has an eight-year head start on us as a varsity program. So we're playing catch-up. And um, we have some, we have to develop some depth in some key areas. Um, that's going to be a challenge for us. But you know, from from a from the playing group, we're 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 in pretty good shape right now. One guy who's got a great name for rugby, and he's got the size to go with it. I love this Maximus Lear, six foot two, two hundred twenty pounds. Is is he going to be any good? He is. He certainly is. Yeah. Max is, um, you know, we sent out a post there last year. I did it on our social media, sent out something about Max. And the, the quote was, are you not entertained? Because obviously Maximus from um, from Gladiator. So uh, Max is he's phenomenal. And this is second class parents weekend. So his family coming to town and, and we're excited to, to see them all. But uh, Maximus Lear is is a big man who's going to do great things. And the only thing is he's he's. He's got to look after a little bit of shoulder injury that he has right now. So he might be on sidelines for a little bit, but he obviously has another year to go. And um, Maximus is going to do great things for us. I have no doubt about that. Well, we all know here at Sing Second Sports that all these boys are going to do a bunch uh, to put this program on the map. And I'm telling you, it should become a Saturday tradition for you if you're in Annapolis every single Saturday uh, for the next three weeks. You can see... Gavin Hickey's boys take on Southern Virginia this coming Saturday at 1 p.m. On the 17th, the Mount at 11 a.m. And on the 24th, Mary Washington at 11 a.m. And you heard Coach Hickey talk about Army. Circle it on your calendar, November 5th, 2022, high noon out there at, hosp or at Hospital Point, out there at uh, Greenberry Point. Uh, come watch us beat the hell out of Army in the first year of Coach Hickey's D1 program. Coach, I'll tell you what, number one, I love talking about the Saw Doctors with you. And number two, I love what you're doing for the for the young lads here, um, really imbuing them with, it, with the ideals of the physical mission, all the lessons that you learned from a successful rugby career. And we can't wait to have you back on the pod. John, thanks, man. I just want to say one more thing if I can. You know, you mentioned the physical mission a few times. That's we never lose sight of that. That's fundamentally important. And for those who don't know much about rugby, um, the way I'm trying to explain to everybody is it's chaos. It's complete chaos. Um, and what we're trying to imbue in these young men and women is composure and order in chaos. And obviously, that's with an eye on their future careers. So uh, we we feel very strongly this sport is well suited to the Naval Academy. Um, you know, we can't wait to show everybody this sport uh, and what our young men and women go on to do in the future in the fleet. So thank you again for having me and um, couldn't be more excited about the future of Navy rugby. Well, composure and order and chaos. Chris Cervello, I think we just got the title to the pod. Coach Hickey, thank you so much again for being with us. And we can't wait to see you out there to beat the hell out of Southern Virginia next Saturday. Coach Hickey, thank you again. I'm John Schofield. We're going to go to break. This is Sing Second Sports.
This podcast and all of our efforts to support it are not possible without the support of our sponsor. First and foremost, thank you to Scott Shooter, realtor and crew in Annapolis. Scott is the best of the best in Annapolis if you need a home. If you're PCSing to or from Annapolis, Scott is your man. Thank you to Academy Securities and Navy football alum Phil McConkie. Speaking of football alums, thank you to Tom Lynch and New Day USA Mortgage. If you're a veteran in need of a mortgage, you should be using New Day USA, period. Thank you to Scott Melamed and ProMD Health. Do you have crow's feet? Has your skin aged because of the sun exposure Ava Marie and I were talking about earlier in this podcast? ProMD Health in Annapolis has you covered. And thank you so much to Dry 85 and Red Red Wine Bar in Annapolis. We are entering football season, so if you need a drink before your reunion, if you need to check out the best burger in Annapolis, if you'd like just a great glass of wine before you head out on the town, Dry 85 and Red Red Wine Bar on Main Street in Annapolis are your places to hit. And now back to the pod. All right, thanks again to Gavin Hickey for being on the uh, pod with us. If you're looking for something to do, if you're not into the tailgating scene, uh, one o'clock, go out there and watch them play rugby and then come over to the stadium for the 3.30 kick against Memphis. As we go out, some last news items. Uh, a pair of cross-country freshmen earned weekly honors this week for their efforts in the Salisbury Fall Classic. Sophie Compton was named the Naval Academy Athletic Association Athlete of the Week, and Justin Mumford was tabbed the Patriot League Men's Rookie of the Week. Uh, Compton won individual medalist honors in her first collegiate meet ever, helping the Navy women's cross-country team to a decisive victory at the Salisbury Fall Classic. Mumford placed fourth as an individual in the uh, Fall Classic in his first collegiate meet, helping the Navy to a team victory. He led the mids with a time of 25 minutes, 28 seconds in the 8K race. Uh, Compton, her time was 22 minutes, 52 seconds in the 6K race. Congrats to them. And by the way, you never want to get capoed. Uh, Caden Capobianco was named the Mid-Atlantic Water Polo Conference Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, He led uh, Navy to a pair of victories in the Navy Open over the weekend. Chris Cervello and I were there for a couple of those. It was great watching him and his teammates in the water. Um, So, you know, congrats to uh, Capo for uh, his honors this week. And now looking ahead to this week before football on Saturday, good luck to Navy women's soccer as they travel to Penn to play the Quakers Thursday night at 6 p.m. Volleyball travels to Norfolk to face Old Dominion. On Thursday, and then after facing Old Dominion, they stick around in scenic Norfolk to play East Carolina Friday night, and then the Notre Dame Fighting Irish on Saturday. Good luck to Paco Labrador's uh, volleyball team. On Friday, women's tennis returns to action at home with a match in the Bill and Sandra Moore Invitational. That Invitational goes all weekend. Men's soccer is also back home. Come on out to Glen Warner on Friday night. For a little Friday night lights against GW, a very good GW men's soccer team kicking off at 7 p.m. Men's and women's cross country will also see action Friday at Penn State in the spiked shoe invitational. We'll bring you those results, the football breakdown and more on Sunday in the Academy Securities postgame report podcast. But for now, for Bill Wagner, Chris Cervello, I am John Schofield. This has been Sing Second Sports. We are out. Thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own 
and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.